Now they can get their their neighboring farms to grow hemp, and those farmers now have a place to take their crop. And so they're they're building that supply chain right there in in Kansas. Um, so we went there, and we we got there as they were having like a, an open house. You know, there was like a hundred people there, and a bunch of vendors and hemp people from all over. iHemp Michigan is a member based organization backing hemp farmers, seed cultivators, processors, manufacturers, and hemp businesses statewide. Our members are engaged in defining the path to success of industrial hemp from seed to sale and beyond. We are committed to empowering hemp farmers, fueling industry leaders, and educating consumers to ensure hemp flourishes in the Midwest. Our focus is influencing responsible and fair regulation, providing grower education, and enabling full access to the evolving marketplace. IHEMP Michigan advocates for wellness in people and the planet through hemp, and it begins with the farmer. Now, on to our show. All right, yeah, I'm excited. Eric Herlock is with Lancaster Farming. He's a musician and podcaster. Somehow he talked a newspaper into doing a podcast about hemp. So that, you know, has got to be an amazing feat in its own. Then Eric does his own music on the podcast. Really enjoy your show, Eric. And uh, we're excited to hear about your road trip and uh, get some of the highlights from that. So welcome, Eric. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Blaine. It's, uh, it's great to be here. It's an honor to talk to you guys. Uh, I'm a big fan of Michigan. Been out there a few times. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it was an amazing feat to get to convince my newspaper to let me do a podcast about hemp. Cause at first they were like, wait, what's a podcast and what do you, what, what's this hemp stuff? Uh, it was back in, in 20, 2018. So it was pre farm bill and, you know, you could, you know, had my ear to the ground. I was sort of covering hemp, uh, in my capacity as a, I'm a digital editor for the newspaper. So I would run the r- websites and also would, you know, write stories, go out and cover things and events. And, in 2017, I was at the Rodale Institute. Um, that's, a, you know, it's like, a, you've heard of Rodale. Um, they published Organic Gardening Magazine and all sorts of things, yeah. but they had a uh, this farming institute where they've been conducting these side-by-side, like organic and conventional trials for the past 30 years, you know, trying to just gather data on regenerative farming and, and organic practices. And in 2017, they were one of, I think, 14 permit holders here in the state. So I was out there for a field day and I saw this great big stand of hemp. It was like four acres of hemp. They weren't sure what they were going to do with it. You know, no one was really talking about CBD at that point in Pennsylvania. Uh, but I had this flash, like this vision, like, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. Because, you know, I had read the Jack Harrow book years ago. So it was sort of in my mind, you know, the potential of hemp. And it was just so exciting that, you know, with climate change and all the other issues in the world right now that we can help solve through agriculture. So it was just a fantastic time. So I, in 2018, I was, I was able to convince my editor to, to let me give this a shot because I, I do have, you know, some experience with recording, you know, I have a, a skill set that's kind of made it good to, you know, make a podcast. And uh, initially the podcast was going to be about all different types of farming stories, whatever, but I started with hemp 
And uh, here it is, you know, 170 episodes later, and I haven't quite given up hemp yet because it's so exciting. There's so many great people out there doing just amazing things, you know, just like smart, passionate people who want to make a difference in the world. And I mean, you guys know it, you, you talk to people all the time who are in the same boat. So it's really just been like almost a calling at this point, you know, like this is just good work. So I'm, I'm very thankful that I get to do it. So that's the podcast. That's sort of the, the backstory of the podcast. Um, We're glad you did. We're glad you put together. <laughs> so Eric, what was the, uh, let's talk about what you did this year then. So what was the premise and how did you sell it to the family um, <laughs> to be able to do what you did? A lot of people don't know what you did. So let's get through the background of what you did this, fall, this summer. Sure. Well, um, we went on a six week road trip in an RV, my wife and my two daughters, ages 12 and 10 at the time. That movie. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Robin Williams. I, you know, it, it flashes in Chevy my Chase, mind. I think. <laughs> yeah. Holiday road, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the harder part I think was convincing, um, my, my employer to, uh, to let me do this. Um, but we, we did raise some sponsorship money to pay for it, which was key. And, um, you know, we got a lot of content out of it. Um, but as far as my family goes, my wife and I have for years have talked about, you know, someday when our our kids are old enough, we'll, we'll, we'll get an RV and we'll, we'll drive around, you know, sort of like just a dream that we had. And suddenly it was a very real possibility. So they were, they were on board. Um, they were excited. Um, I think at, on this side of it, they might not be as excited. You know, it's like, they, they, I don't think they would do it again, uh, or we would do it very differently. Um, but yeah, the premise was to go out into, you know, the larger world here and just see for myself what's going on in the fiber and grain side of the industry. Cause in Pennsylvania, you know, once the, the farm bill legalized hemp as a you know commercial crop, it was all CBD all the time here. You know, it's like lots of little Christmas trees everywhere. And I, I love cannabinoids of all kinds. You know, I'm a big fan. Um, but I think the real potential is in the fiber and the grain. You know, we got to make everything we can out of hemp. We have to sequester the carbon in the material, in the soil. So, you know, it's, it's exciting. Um, so I wanted to go out and, and see with my own two eyes, you know, I'm a journalist, I'm a storyteller and, uh, uh you know, a bit of a swashbuckling adventurer, um, <laughs> maybe more in my mind than, than, uh, actual, um, but uh, the, the idea for the trip came out of some conversations we had with the folks from IND Hemp in Montana. Um, Ken Elliott is the, uh, the president and founder of IND Hemp. They're out in Fort Benton, and he's a fan of the show. You know, he, he listens every week. And uh, I interviewed, um, I guess this is back in maybe September, October of, of 2019. What year is this? 2020. I interviewed, um, you know, their agronomist and their, their marketing guy and just got to know them, you know, and then I started having, having conversations with Ken Elliott and they wanted to sponsor our show. So they, they became our sponsor for the year, uh, for 2021. And in those conversations, Ken said something like, Hey, I, I would love for this sponsorship money to get Eric out on the road. You know, I think he was just fishing for me to come out to Montana, but I sort of took it and ran with it. I'm like, yeah, we'll get on the, on the road. We'll go for a road trip. And I took it to my editor, uh, Steve Sieber. And I 
thought for sure he was going to be like, nope, can't do it. Terrible idea. But he was like, I love it. So he took it to uh, our president, uh, Pete Lindquist, and Pete, he loved it too. So it sort of went all the way up the chain and I had support and we raised sponsorship money um, from a, a bunch of different uh, companies. IND Hemp was one, the National Hemp Association, New Holland Agriculture, um, and a few others I can get into that later, but we, we raised money, we rented an RV and, um, I scheduled stops, um, you know, from North Carolina to Kentucky, to Kansas, Colorado, up to the, the, the Pacific Northwest, back to Montana, home through Nebraska. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a crazy undertaking. Um, I, it took a while to sort of get through some of the PTSD of, you know, driving a, a 31 foot RV, uh, 10,000 miles. It was like, I, up until I think November, I would still like, you know, wake up and just like, Oh no, I'm, I'm in the RV again. Yeah. So it was a, it was a bit of a shock to the system. Uh, but it was, it was fantastic. You know, this is a great, big, beautiful country full of amazing people. And, uh, I got to meet a few of them. Um, we did have some, you know, some bumps along the way. Um, our first stops were scheduled in North Carolina. Um, I was supposed to meet up with, um, a guy doing some work in textiles, um, Eric Henry at TS designs. And then I was going to go talk to, um, Gary Sykes, a hemp farmer down there. And I had it, you know, we had a pretty tight schedule, so we had to keep moving. But on day two of our trip, we blew a tire on the interstate. It was one side of like the, the inner dually on the, the back of the RV. And this is one of the, like the learning curves that I ran into. It's like, I didn't know much about RV life or travel and tires. Apparently RV tires, you need to replace them, you know, more often than, uh, than you might think. And so we went on out on the road with tires that were just no good. It was uh, a little, um, negligent on the, the owner of the RV, you know, it was through a rental place, but, um, they ended up replacing all six tires, uh, on, you know, day two and day three of our trip. So that made us feel a little better, but still like we were just a little freaked out that, Oh, maybe this, this big RV is a little more dangerous than we thought. So it's sort of like put it in, you know, sharp relief that we were, we were out there. I'm so and, anyway, we missed our, our stops in North Carolina. We spent essentially two days getting new tires and getting, you know, roadside assistance and all that stuff. Mm. So we, we missed the guys in North Carolina. Um, so our official, you know, first official stop was in Murray, Kentucky. We went to the, the Hempwood factory in Murray, Kentucky. Cool. And I'm sure you, you, have you talked to anybody from Hempwood? Oh yeah. Greg Wilson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this yeah. Is, Matter of fact, right Dave's, yeah. oh. Dave's wood, Dave's a, uh, background is all hempwood yep. yeah our, our he, awards are hempwood yeah yeah, yeah we well, last year for the hempy awards uh we got the blanks from uh greg and there was a great guy down there my name is squire babcock who mm-hmm. actually did the woodworking and turned them and made them into the bowls for us that's what we use so yeah oh cool oh yeah i see excellent yeah um i caught up with greg on i guess it was the monday after the fourth of july and uh, his factory was closed for the day. Everybody had off for the holiday. Um, so it was quiet, but he was able to give me just this amazing tour of the facility, you know, where they, you know, he's, you know, he's such a just smart and, you know, can just speak sort of like in very simple terms. Mm-hmm. And he's like, basically you take some hemp, 
you stick it in glue and you press it into a board. That's it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) the simple facts. Yeah. Yeah. But also, you know, he, he showed us how he, they take the waste products of the factory and use it to heat. The thing is like, it's like a a carbon neutral factory, which I think, you know, like so many other industries could be learning from. Um, And he comes out of like bamboo flooring. Like he, he, he learned his trade in China making bamboo flooring and he, he brought it back and worked with the folks at Murray state university to, uh, sort of, you know, launch the company. And, um, it's fantastic. And I, I, uh, he mentioned that he's trying to f- like franchise out. Like I know there was discussion of bringing a hempwood plant up to, um, Oregon. And also there's discussions to, to bring a, a plant to Western Pennsylvania. So that's exciting. Um, a little shout out for him right now. I noticed I got an email there that they've got a sale going on right now for the holidays uh, to buy their hempwood products. So if anybody's oh, okay. looking for hempwood, hey, you can get a sale right now. So yeah, there you go. Shout out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so from Murray, we we traveled up to Carrollton, Kentucky, uh, and that's the home of Victory Hemp. Um, Chad Rosen's, uh, victory hemp foods. Uh-huh. And, um, they, you know, gave me a, a tour of their, their processing plant. And I sat down and had a great conversation with Chad and, you know, there's so, you know, we could talk about grain. It's like the superfood, you know, it's got this amazing profile, the omega threes and six in the protein and all that stuff. It's just an absolute superfood. Um, and they are, a, I guess, a a B2B business. They, they process, um, hemp hearts and oil to, to sell to other food companies, like as an ingredient. Um, but then, you know, then you think about uh, the, the whole idea that it's still illegal to feed hemp to livestock, but you can feed it to your kids. You can feed hemp to your baby, <laughs> but not to your, your herd of cattle. Yeah, which... You and I can go to the store and we can buy it. Yeah. Right. Uh, buy it off the shelf, but yeah, but yeah. Yeah, and I'm excited for the because uh, I get reports on what's going on with some of the um, uh, testing that's going on right now, and mm-hmm. it's going to be so so when farmers and livestock growers get to understand what this product will do for the animals themselves, it's just going to be great. So yeah. 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 So much testing that they have to do to get yeah. each, each species, not just species, but like each subspecies, you know, your layers and your, mm-hmm. your, uh, you know, whatever they call the other chickens, you know, all sorts yeah. of things. So, and, we, and those tests are expensive. And we can yeah. only use data from the U S we can't use data where they've been doing it for decades, <laughs> thousands of years, probably. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's frustrating, but once we get through that and get past those legal hurdles, it's going to, I think just crack that industry wide open. It's going to be yes. going to be good for hemp farmers going to be good for, you know, grain producers now, cause they have a, a new crop for the rotation. It's going to be good for soil. It's going to be good for livestock producers. So hopefully we'll see some movement there. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Kentucky, we, we traveled West and we, uh, we went to Kansas. We, um, we stopped in South bend, Kansas at South bend industrial hemp. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you've uh, you've met the uh, the Baldwins, Melissa, Aaron, and Rich. Um, I don't think I have, I've, but we... I've talked to them. Melissa was going to be at our uh, at our expo in January, um, and we still hope to have her in some capacity. We're going to get her on the show, but yeah, yeah, get get her there. She's she's great, yeah. um, and what they're doing there is is amazing. They um, 
they installed uh, a decorticator. I think it's the um, it's a Formation Ag, like the 660. I forget, and I don't know the mm-hmm. name of it, but um, so they've now they can get their their neighboring farms to grow hemp, and those farmers now have a place to take their crop, and so they're they're building that supply chain right there in in Kansas. Um, so we went there and we, we got there as they were having like a, an open house, you know, there was like a hundred people there and a bunch of vendors and hemp people from all over, um, the, uh, the Bish brothers, the, um, Andy, uh, yeah, Andrew Bish from, uh, hemp harvest works and Bish enterprises. He was there. He actually showed up several times on our, on our tour. I kept running into him (laughs) in in the craziest places. He was stalking you pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, we, we spent some time there in Kansas and, um, my kids had a good time there cause we set up a table. We, uh, you know, we had some swag, we were giving out hats and t-shirts and, uh, Lancaster farming newspapers. And so it was great. Just again, the people we meet there just out in the world, it was just inspiring. And one of the things that I absolutely loved about the trip was like sort of seeing, seeing the world through my kids eyes. It's like everywhere we went, we were just enveloped with kindness, you know, like these total strangers were just like, Hey, come on in. And, mm-hmm. and it was, it was wonderful to be able to provide that experience to my kids to see how, you know, people are, you know, good. So yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Um, from Kansas, we, uh, kept going West. We, uh, were, I guess we were on route 70 mm-hmm. and we, we came into Colorado and I 70 got really bumpy there when we cross the border uh it's a desert yeah i'm thinking like what are they doing with all the marijuana money they should be fixing the roads out there but (laughs) i was i was sitting at the rv table my wife's driving and i'm trying to you know write and it's just you can't read any of it Uh, but eventually we um we got to boulder um and i had uh, I had lived in Boulder for, I did an internship there back in the nineties. So it's familiar a little bit with, uh, the Rocky mountains. Um, but we actually got a hotel in Boulder and cause my, my family needed a break at that point. We were, I guess about 12 days in. And, uh, so we got a little R and R there, but, um, from Boulder, I, I made a few trips. I went up to Fort Collins and I caught up with Morris Beagle. Uh, he's the founder of NOCO and, uh, WAFBA. We are for better alternatives. And I was interested in his silver mountain hemp guitars. And, you know, he makes guitars out of, out of hemp wood, actually. I own them. Um, no, you do. Okay. One, one of his two production units. Oh, nice. Yeah, and an amp. Oh, good. Yeah. I love it. They go up to 11, you know, the knobs actually go up to 11. Um, so it was cool. Like we, we sat in his office and, you know, played guitars and talked hemp and, uh, it was great. And then from there I went across town, um, you know, still in Fort Collins and I went to, um, new West genetics. Um, they, uh, Wendy Mosher is the president and CEO and, you know, they're developing genetics in grain fiber and, and cannabinoids and had a great conversation with her and uh, something that she said just stuck with me that she estimates by 2028, potentially we could have, what she say? 22 million acres of, of grain growing in, in the U S which yeah. sounds like a lot, but when you compare that to corn and soy, it's still not that much, but it, we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. Um, 
so yeah, that was exciting. Um, from color from Boulder, we, we went down South to, um, Monta Vista, Colorado, and that's the home of formation ag. That's where they're making the decorticators and some harvesting, uh, equipment. Um, and Corbett Hefner is, uh, the, one of the main guys there and he's, he's smart. He, he's like, he can just figure stuff out. And, uh, so I got a tour of the plan. I saw the, t- the quarter cater showed me how it works. I shot a bunch of video and then, um, sat down and interviewed him. And, uh, I think his name is Rick Wright. Um, one of their other, um, executives, but, again, getting back to the kindness thing, uh, he invited my family to come in, you know, they were going to sit in the the hot RV, but he's like, no, come in. It's air conditioned in here. He got them some water and set them up with, uh, you know, watching some TV. And, and then also I, I asked him if there was a, a place nearby to get the oil changed in the RV. Cause it was coming up on a certain amount of miles and I, you know, want to change the oil. And he's like, Oh, we'll do it. Just go get a filter and some oil across the street at the the Napa place and had me pull the RV into the shop and his guys just changed the oil. It was, it was amazing. So I, I will never forget that. Um, and then from there we took a little time off. We, uh, it didn't feel like time off cause we were still in that crazy RV, but, um, we went down to the four corners, um, went to Mesa Verde, checked out the cliff dwellings and then drove to, um, Moab in Utah. And I fell in love with that place. I don't know if you've ever been, been there. Yeah. Not there. There's a stretch of highway coming up from, you know, Mesa Verde into Utah. It's just, it's beautiful. You know, I didn't ever thought of myself as like a desert person, but I, I could see growing old there. That was a nice place and it was hot, but it was dry. You know, we've got this humidity here in Pennsylvania where it's like, you know, 98% humidity down there. It was like 10% humidity. So it was nice. Um, but from there we had to make a decision because, um, if you remember this summer, most of the West was burning, right? There were just great big forest fires. Um, backtrack a little bit. When we first pulled into, you know, getting close to the Denver area, um, I was telling my kids the whole way, like, Oh, at some point you're going to see the Rocky mountains rise above the horizon. Never did because the skies were just full of smoke. You couldn't see anything. Um, same for Monta Vista, you know, they, they, that town is named that because it's got like a 360 degree view of mountains. We couldn't see any of them. It was just all gray. Um, so we were concerned that, you know, maybe as we wanted to get to California, we had, um, a place to stay in Northern California. Um, but it was like running the gauntlet to get there. You know, there was fires everywhere. We weren't sure at this point if we would just, backtrack, go up through Colorado and get to Montana because we were scheduled to be in Montana, um, later that month. Um, but I, I convinced my family, I'm like, we can do this. And we, we did, we drove just a a big, long push up through Utah, across Nevada into Northern California. And yeah, there were, there were fires. You could see smoke all the time. You could smell it. Um, and they had just had like really, you know, like the heat dome stuff there. So like, as we're driving through Sacramento, it was just scorched, you know, it looked like late fall in Pennsylvania, but it was, you know, mid July in California. Um, but eventually we, we made it to the coast, uh, spent a, a day or so in, um, in the town of, uh, McKinleyville. And then from there we headed up the coast and got back on the hemp trail. Um, we got to, um, Oregon, 
and we met up with um, the folks at Queen of Hearts Hemp and uh, Northwest Hemp. No, I'm sorry, Hemp Northwest. Um, Queen of Hearts Hemp. They they make you know things from hemp hearts and they make salad dressings and things like that. Hmm. And uh, they're um, Tanya Farman and her husband Greg Necco run that, and they were talking about how it's really strange to be. Um, fiber and grain people in Oregon where it's all cannabinoids, you know, it's like, you know, the people are like, wait a minute, you're growing grain, your pollen's going to ruin my crop. And they're like, no, don't worry. We're, we're growing it in Montana and we're using it here. Um, but again, like just absolute kindness. We were met with absolute kindness from them. Very, uh, hospitable. And, uh, yeah. So I guess now we're, we're about halfway through a little more than halfway in the trip. Um, and Greg is the Greg Necco. He's the marketing director for IND hemp. So he's got some hemp businesses in Oregon and Washington and then works in, in Montana too. So he does that drive back and forth across the mountains pretty frequently. Um, but he took us to, um, Pendleton, Oregon, where we met with John green and Marissa, um, bum, Gardner. I think I'm saying her name, right. Um, her family is, uh, they're, um, native Americans and, uh, you know, they, they're right on the edge of the reservation. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name of the tribe. Um, let me find that. Cause that's, that's a key thing, but anyway, they're growing hemp, their fiber hemp to show the elders of the tribe that hemp is not bad because hemp is illegal to grow on the reservation. Um, and so they're just off the reservation growing some hemp and also planning on building a, a hempcrete timber frame house. So it was, it was neat to catch up with them and just sort of get that view of the, um, you know, how tribes are dealing with, with hemp. Um, do, do you have a second? Can I look up the name of the tribe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, all the time. You just you gotta do there, yeah. Okay. Well, Eric, um, this is this is so cool that um, that you were able to experience. I'm glad to hear that you've had such a great experience with everybody. And you know, um, the the hemp family is a uh, is a pretty good family, and um, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I've met most of the people that you've you've mentioned so far, and um, had just had great experiences with all of them. So it's very nice that we can do that. And yeah, and. Um, and we're excited to work with a lot of them as we move forward here in Michigan and the stuff too, because we're going to need to, right? There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. These mm-hmm. people have already found the mistake. So let's not, we don't need to learn them, you know, kind of thing. So we're excited to be able to work with them and be able to move some things forward here as well. So, yeah, it's an exciting cool. time in the industry because it's like the industry has to work together. Like, yes, there's some competition, but it's more of a, a spirit of cooperation is what they're calling it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I tie it all ships rise. Everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, so the name of the tribe is the Umatilla. Um, they're there in Eastern Oregon. So Excellent. shout out to, to them. Um, and then from there, Greg took, uh, took us up to, um, just a, it was like a, maybe an 80 acre stand of grain hemp up above Walla Walla, Washington. Uh, this is in the Palouse region, which I was not familiar with before that, but it's like the most fertile grain growing region in the United States. And cool. it's beautiful. And it looks like, you know, an alien landscape. It's all just like, you know, gold and yeah. you contoured hills. And then you come around and you see this 
bright green stand of hemp in the middle of it. And, you know, the sun was setting. It was, it was beautiful. It was so good. Um, and then, so from there, we, we made our way East, you know, so, you know, once we hit the Pacific ocean, I guess, technically we were on our way home. Uh, but you know, we, we still had a few stops to make. Um, I will point out that, uh, when we were in California, we got news that our, our beloved cat Daisy passed away at home. So that was, yeah. Um, like we didn't tell my kids yet though. So that's a, that's a longer story. Um, anyway, so we're, we're driving East now and we're going back across the Rockies and again, forest fires all over the place. Um, in Montana, that was the closest we actually came to it. Like you, you could see, you know, not only the plume of smoke, but you could see the, the, the reddish fiery glow in the smoke. Um, yeah, it was nuts. Uh, the other thing, you know, I, before we went on the trip, I was telling my kids about the stars that we were going to see on this trip and like out West, you're going to see amazing stars, but no, no, no stars. Cause it was all just smoky sky. Well, that, that smoke yeah. blacked out our sky for a while. Yeah. In Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when we got to Fort Benton, Montana, this was like the pinnacle of the trip at this point, because the folks at IND Hemp, you know, sort of like in preparation for my visit, they invited a ton of other people up and we sort of had like an informal hemp summit there. Cool. It was like a meeting of the minds on the fiber and grain side. And so they had this whole day planned. You know, they took us out to a few different hemp fields in the morning to see what conditions are like there growing hemp in Montana. And there was one field, it was a, you know, a dry field and it had grasshoppers and, you know, there had been drought and it was, didn't look great. Um, but that's the reality of, of, you know, of growing grain in, in Montana. Then they took us to um, an irrigated uh, field. It's like a 90, 90 acre pivot and just this great big stand of, of fiber hemp looked great. Still had some grasshoppers. Um, and just out in the field, there was just these discussions among the industry people, you know, like the folks from New Holland were asking questions about, you know, harvesting. And it was just, it's like a mind meld. It was just, it, it, it just was amazing to be there, you know, just, you know, I'm not a farmer. I'm not a business person. I'm, you know, just a storyteller podcaster, but it was great to just be there and witness it. You know, like it was like, Oh, this day in Montana felt historic, you know, like in 10 years, you're going to look back at this flourishing fiber and grain industry and uh, the people doing it and being successful, I think will have you know, been at that, that day with me in, in Montana. Um, and then, so after the field trip, we went back to their facilities and just had these, you know, they broke up into groups, the, the, the grain people on one side of the room and the fiber people on the other. And they just talked about the goals and challenges and how to move forward. And, um, it was fantastic. It was, it was truly amazing. And then at the end of that session, we, you know, we sort of went over everything and a few things came out of it. Um, you know, one that like, we need a unified voice in hemp, you know, we've got so many different little advocacy groups. Um, and so we do need some kind of unified voice in the space and, uh, something that, uh, the guys from victory hemp said, like talking about the regulation that fiber and grain people are, are sort of, um, the facing it's like, Hey, we're growing food. We're not, you know, growing edible, you know, we're not making edibles, you know, it's like, they're not 
on the cannabinoid side. Yeah. Why do they need to be, you know, held to these strict um, uh, testing, you know, protocols and all that. So just like the need for, for better regulation on the, the fiber and grain side, you know, that's, that's key. Um, and then also, so at IND hemp, they, um, they are installing, um, a very big decortication system. You know, you can't call it a, a decorticator because it's bigger than that. It's like a, just this huge industrial plant. Um, it's like a five ton an hour processing plant, uh, made by La Roche. Um, and they, you know, they brought in, um, what's his name? Uh, he was at Sunstrand. Um, I'm blanking on his name. I, (laughs) sorry. Um, but anyway, um, Trey, Trey Riddle, he was uh, one of the guys at Sunstrand. They brought him up. He's like their chief strategy guy, and he's putting this thing together. And um, I saw that just this past week, they did actually finally get their first um, bale of hemp processed through it. So that's exciting. But they also have a, you know, a seed uh, oil crushing facility. And um, the town of Fort Benton, um, you know, they, they're, the town is working with IND Hemp. They, they're sort of building a like an industrial park around them. So it's, you know, it's not only are we seeing, you know, hemp is good for, you know, soil sequestration, but it's also bringing life back to these small towns that have been, you know, sort of abandoned by, by people because there's no jobs there. So um, that was fantastic to see. Um, and then they had a banquet in for us. You know, it was just, it was, it was just great. All these people there. Um, cool. You're a celebrity. So, you're, you're a big man. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, it wasn't necessarily for me, but just like for for the industry to celebrate celebrate the work that the people are doing. Um, their tagline is you know something about the goodness of hemp, and they're they, you know they're walking the walk and talking the talk. I really am impressed with the folks at IND Hemp, and yes, they are a sponsor of my show. But even if they weren't, I would be super psyched about what they're doing because they're doing it. You know. Um, but we just need about like 600 more of these facilities. You know, we need about a ton of them in every state. Mm-hmm. Um, we doing okay on time or have I bored you with my stories from the road yet? No, oh, you're, you're doing, doing, good. doing good. All right. So from um, Fort Benton, we, uh, we headed to South Dakota. We took a quick trip through um, Yellowstone, you know, saw some bison Um Saw some more fire scarred forests, uh, but got out to Rapid City, um, South Dakota. And we caught up with a guy by the name of Jeremy Briggs. He's a hempcrete guy. Um, and they, they, they were just putting the finishing touches on what I think is the very first, um, hempcrete music venue and recording studio in the world, perhaps. I don't know. Um, but it was all, you know, had just the, you know, the walls were all just hempcrete. There was no, you know, they hadn't designed the space yet, but the walls had been finished. Hmm. And um, he had been involved in one of the very first hempcrete projects uh, in the U S back in the, I'm going to say like the late aughts, maybe 2008, they, they did a hempcrete house on an Indian reservation in South Dakota. Um, and what's great about the, the hempcrete building people is that they're all in it together. It's like a small group of people. And uh, so when they were doing this, this hempcrete 
um, studio the guy I know from Pennsylvania uh, by the name of Cameron McIntosh. His company is called Amerishon Cast Hemp, and he's um, one of the directors for the U.S. Hemp Builders Association. You know, but he brought his equipment out there, and he was he was part of it. And it's cool. I've I've gotten to know Cameron pretty well, and he's just like just a super great guy, and is just making it happen. You know, just yeah. it's it's fantastic. You should get him on the show sometime yeah. if you haven't already. Uh, from there, we 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 traveled east, um, and we caught up with uh, a guy from Horizon Hemp Seeds, a guy by the name of uh, Derek Doman, um, and you know we just met him at, at a hemp field in, in South Dakota, um, just above DeSmet, South Dakota, which if you're up on your little house in the prairie stuff, that's where Laura Ingalls Wilder's homestead was. So, um, my, my kids and I have been reading those books. I, I, I read to my kids almost every night. So we've read those books. So we went there to see the homestead. I will admit it was a little underwhelming, um, <laughs> but the hemp field, however, was amazing. You know, it was like 90 acres of great big grain hemp. Um, they're growing certified seed in South Dakota at horizon seed. Um, and then from there, we, we headed south to the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, where um, they had a like a little demonstration set up for me. Uh, the folks at IND Hemp sent over like a thousand pounds of hemp seed. And one of our other sponsors from Rose Downs, uh, they're like a, a drill press company, guy by the name of Robert Burns. Not the famous Scottish poet, but uh, Robert Burns from from Desmet Rosedowns. They, he had a, a, a drill press set up, and they they crushed all this seed. And there were um, university people. There were people from the Nebraska Department of Agriculture. There was some news media, and we had like a little hemp event there uh, at the college. Um, so that was that was great. And then from there, we 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 hightailed at home. We <laughs> that was uh, the the beginning of August. I think that was August 4th and we needed to return the RV by August 5th. No, maybe it was August 3rd, whatever it was. We, we drove a big, long drive across the Midwest. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, eventually we, uh, I think we camped once in Illinois and then again in Western Pennsylvania and the morning of our very last day of the road trip, um, we went to, um, what's called project PA hemp home in, um, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, there's a, a group called Don Services, Don Enterprises, and they they got funding from the Department of Agriculture to sort of like a proof of concept, like could they grow hemp, turn it into hempcrete, and then refurbish houses in like a blighted part of the town. And so that's what they had been working on, you know, all year. They, they had this, you know, like a, a two-story residential house in the neighborhood that they stripped down to bare studs and then, you know, built the walls with hempcrete. Um, they're also growing hemp. They didn't use the hemp that they grew for the hempcrete, but they did turn that hemp that they grew into hemp wood flooring. Um, but the house looks great. And, uh, yeah, it's really an, an amazing thing that they're doing. And if it, if it goes well for them, I think we'll see Western PA sort of be a, a hub for um, industrial hemp um, here in Pennsylvania, because um, that's one of the places that Greg Wilson is talking about franchising hemp wood up there to, um, to Newcastle. Um, so it was a whirlwind trip from there. Uh, we, we drove home and <laughs> got finally, you know, got home, saw our dog, uh, not our cat long story, but, 
but we did line up some kittens. So we had kind of like a bait and switch, but my, my kids uh, were heartbroken, but very happy that we got some kittens when we got home. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an amazing trip and uh, something I'm still processing it, you know, like it was, it was a lot. My, I, my intention is to write some kind of larger thing from it. You know, I've written a bunch of articles for the newspaper about it. Um, from the road, I was sending in, you know, a weekly column about our trip, you know, so I'd write updates for the newspaper. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about our newspaper. I don't know. Um, we do have some, some subscribers out there in Michigan. Um, but you know, we cover the Northeast, uh, or an agricultural newspaper. Uh, most of our readership is in Pennsylvania, but we do have subscribers in all 50 States. Uh, it's a weekly paper. Um, and it's, you know, in a time when when local newspapers are starting to, to die off, sadly, Lancaster farming is, is thriving because, you know, um, the ag economy the, loves our newspaper. Um, about a third of our readers are plain sex, you know, plain community, Amish and Mennonite. So they, they're not on the Internet. You know, so our newspaper wasn't as affected by the digital revolution as other newspapers. Um, so it's just a good group of people, um, you know, covering, covering farming, you know, a lot of dairy stories. And, uh, so I'm excited to cover hemp because I think this is the, like the most exciting thing happening in agriculture. Yeah. It's um, never happened before we, we, we've introduced a new commodity. Right. Yeah. And so we get to watch an industry grow out of nothing. You know, it's a shame that we lost 80 years of, of research, you yeah. know, imagine where we'd be now. Um, but it's like hemp is, is here at the right time. You know, we, and I really hope that, you know, the, the billionaires out there, the people trying to get to the, the moon and Mars right now, I hope they can focus on our planet and make investments into uh, the infrastructure here because we're not going to get out of the, the, the climate change mess without agriculture, right? Like our farmers, whether they want to do it or not, they're, they're going to save us. Um, that's my belief. And so the work I'm doing is, you know, to, to tell the story of hemp and to encourage farmers to get involved and, and to always bring up this idea like, Hey, farmers don't deserve the short end of the stick here. You know, like farmers got to get paid for this. And so that's something that I bring up with most of my guests is like, how do farmers avoid getting the short end of the stick? Because, you know, it's, you see it a lot, you know, um, they get taken advantage of. And I think, um, with this crop and the way it's, uh, you know, it's got to sort of be local. I think farmers have a real chance to be, to yeah. be part of, you know, more involved in the supply chain and the markets. And uh, yeah. Yeah. We need a lot Eric, of re regional processing. Yeah. Eric, I know you did um, these podcasts and everything. So let's put a little plug in here. Um, how can people um, get a hold of you or get a hold of your podcast and get a hold of the news? How do we, how do they all do that? Sure. Um, the the newspaper is lancasterfarming.com so just you can you know google lancaster farming we say it lancaster rest of the country they say lancaster but it's all the same <laughs> um, the podcast itself you know we're on most of the platforms so uh you get on your your phone and you can get into your uh, spotify app or your apple podcast app and search hemp or search industrial hemp and uh we'll we'll show up there it's called the Lancaster farming industrial hemp podcast, 
all of the creative names were taken. So I just went with <laughs> basic. <laughs> um, and then to, to reach me, um, you can send an email directly to me, um, podcast at lancasterfarming.com or even eherlock at lancasterfarming.com. And uh, I love getting emails from people. I hear from people all over the place. Such an amazing you know, group of people who, you know, they write to me thanking me for the work I'm doing. And, you know, I, that just is a humbling thing. It's like, I, I'm so just grateful that I get to do work that has a positive effect on people and brings people together. And, uh, it's fantastic. Um, but the podcasts, the Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Could help save the world. I, I hope so. We, it, it does need saving. Yes. And, uh, we can, like I said, we can't do it without farmers and we can't do it without smart, passionate people. And, uh, we have to disrupt a lot of, a lot of the way things are right now, you know, like the way this world is set up and the way the machines are, are greased, like, no, we have to, we have to tear some things down and, and start new. Um, so, yeah. So I, I see some, it's been interesting. I see some uh, guitars hanging in the background there. And so is there, you have a little musical background to you? I, yeah. Um, like Dave was saying in the beginning, I, I actually do the music for the show. Um, so if you listen to the show, when you hear the theme song, that that's me playing that stuff. But yeah, I've been a musician most of my life. I'm, uh, I'm pushing 50 now and I started playing guitar in 1988. So, uh, I lost count of how long that is, but, um, yeah. So where, where I am now is in a little home studio. So I do the podcast from here and I do everything in garage band on a, on a Mac. Um, I don't know if you're, if you're Mac people, but, um, Macintosh, you know, Apple computers come with this just built in software program called garage band that lets you do multi-track recording and, uh, it's fantastic. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I've got, you know, a bass guitar and there's a, a banjo and a 12 string back there. Uh, uh, my ukulele here, this was my main thing, my main musical thing on the trip every night when we got to the KOA campground, I would, you know, sit out there and drink a beer and play the ukulele. Nice. Uh, cool. Yeah. So what I'm thinking about doing, and this is probably, I don't know, Dave, you know, we don't have any theme music. Maybe we should have to hire Eric to come up with some theme music for us. <laughs> I would love that. Um, I did take a trip out to Michigan back um, in 2019 with my family. We were in East Lansing. Uh, my kids are involved in Odyssey of the Mind. It's like a creative, competitive problem solving. Uh, I don't even know what you call it. Uh, group and their, their world finals were in Michigan. So we, we took the nine hour drive out there and my daughter's team came in second in the world. So that was pretty amazing. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 But I, then I was looking like looking around for some hemp farmers to talk to out there, but I, we weren't there for very long. So I didn't, didn't actually connect with anybody in Michigan. Um, but yeah, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on there in, in Michigan? Is it, mostly cannabinoids or is there some fiber and grain coming up? So uh, a lot of cannabinoids. Um, last year we had um, the numbers were 166 growers that we had here. Um, um, uh, equivalent of um, 30 acres of indoor grow mm -hmm. uh, that was also registered to, to do that. Um, there, two years ago, I grew grain and fiber. Uh, and there was a contract with some farmers. Uh, I've learned a good lesson in life oh, what's that? Uh, that I'm a wannabe farmer. 
<laughs> so I'm letting the farmers do what they do. And I do what I do, and everybody is much happier in the end. Um, so I contracted with a couple growers because I do make the hemp seed oil as well. Okay. Um, and I also have a decortication machine where I can take the CBD plants and I can separate the herd from the fiber. Um, and so we're making bedding and we're making some other stuff. Also, it's going into the plastics industry. Um, so I don't know exactly how many acres of each variety we had planted this year. We will, we will know that because uh, Molly Mott um, from MDART um, will be on our, uh, will be on the show. We've had her on before, but uh, she'll be telling us, you know, kind of what we had growing. And I see, uh, um, just because I know of some stuff that's happening in the background, uh, I see a number of acres uh, that are going to be grown for the fiber uh, industry here this next year. Um, and a matter of fact, um, I believe that there will be a number of contracts that will be awarded uh, to farmers to do this. Um, so I'm really excited to where we're going there. Yeah. Uh, the grain, like you talked about before, uh, it's there. It's You can only use it in your own animals right now. <clears throat> so um, not a lot of grain will probably be grown to some. But when we get to the point where uh, grain can be used in livestock feed and and livestock growers understand how much better the animals do with this in their mixture. Uh, it's going to be great. Now, we're always going to be competing as protein, right? I mean, protein's protein. But the added benefits of the cannabinoids and all the other amino acids and um, just all the good stuff that's in there is just mm -hmm. going to show uh, that the animals are going to do better. And, you know, long term, right, that's going to get into us through our food chain, right? The animals we eat, the milk we drink eggs we you know consume all that kind of stuff so you know it's going to get into our system through a through a backwards door so to speak if you want to call it that way but uh, i just see so much good thing happening there so i'm really excited to where where things are going on here where we're going to be uh with this whole thing um, and we're i know that we're working with the, some of the companies you had already mentioned um you know south Bend hemp those kind of things so really excited to where things are going here really excited yeah. and and the building industry right we're gonna yeah. this is going to be a great con concept for that interesting the one building you talked about that they made um so was it hempcrete bricks that they were doing or was it like poured hempcrete that they were doing um it's actually spray um oh, okay, oh, okay. Uh, I, I mentioned cameron mcintosh with the marishon yeah, that, that's the insulation right that's not the actual hempcrete is it well, no, he's got this, it's like e Reezy spray gun. It's like, it's, it's an amazing, it's like the, they, they mix the lime with the herd and the water and it goes through this hopper and it goes through a tube and you, you spray it at the wall and it's much faster than cast hemp. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can send you some links uh, to mm -hmm. some videos of it. It's, I, I went to a few demonstrations. Yeah, I know Cameron uh, was planning on coming in uh, January, and we're definitely going to have him come in May. And the nice thing about moving it from January to May is that we're going to be able to do some outside demonstrations of this yeah. stuff. Yep. You know, it's kind of hard to do outside demonstrations in January when you have water mixed in with things right. um, in Michigan. But so we're excited to be able to, to really showcase the, the building industry in, in May. That's going to be exciting for us. Yeah. 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 Um, when, I, when I first met Cameron, um, he he was doing a podcast with um, with the folks who run. Um, well, coexist build is like a, an architecture uh, green building um, drew and Anna run that and they are now making um, hempcrete blocks 
and they're also they have like a uh, a tiny home hemp kit um I'll, yeah and so they're they're doing just fantastic things here in pennsylvania um uh, but yeah cameron when you get him out there um he yeah, he that spray gun thing that he has is is fantastic. So you're gonna like that. It just speeds up the whole process. Yeah. You know? yeah. Did you see? Uh, you know, yeah. there's a builder Matt Rizlinger, I think. Matt mm. builds, but uh, it, it's a YouTube channel that I follow, and he he interviewed uh, Matt from Hepatecture. Matty Mead. Yeah, I just talked to him a few weeks ago. Yeah, and, and and he walked through the whole thing. It was really cool. Yeah, it's uh, I can't believe I missed that YouTube. I just shared it recently on our I Have Michigan page. But um, yeah, so that was last year. They did that okay. last September. Yeah, I guess um, they have pivoted a little bit at Hempatecture, and now they're focusing on bat insulation. Okay. Um, uh, which is still, you know, like a, a great replacement for fiberglass. Just the stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, again, there's just so many like passionate people who are, are making a difference. And, you know, like I said, we have to disrupt industries and yeah. And uh, we're working on a project here um, with a, um, with a family that has a a daughter that is um, uh, very, I want to say allergic to about everything. And so we're working on trying to build a, a small home for her because she can't live in most homes and most yeah. places that she can. And um, so we're really excited about moving forward with that and being able to, to show showcase that. Yeah. As, hey, you know, this can be done and, and we can help. And there's a lot of people that are in the same situation as her as far as allergic to things. So we're really excited right. about that. And when you go into a hempcrete building, it's like immediately you can feel the difference with all of your senses. You know, it sounds different. It you breathe differently in there. Um, it's just, it has an amazing, just, it, it's just different than the construction we're used to with all the toxic <clears throat> chemicals. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, Eric, I want to thank you very much for being on the show. It's really interesting, and I'm glad to hear that you're still married and your kids still talk to you. <laughs> that's important. I'm sure, sure it is. So, But, you know, I'm sure that yeah, I remember some trips I took with my family when I was young, too, and still remember those. And I bet they're going to talk about remember this Good stuff memories. for years. Yeah, I, I, I think what so, a great, too. great opportunity you had to do that, so... Yeah, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. So again, uh, Eric, let's mention. Yeah, so let's mention one more time, Eric, how they how people can get a hold of Lancaster Farming and get a hold of you. Sure, LancasterFarming.com. Um, send an email to podcast at LancasterFarming.com, um, or just Google the uh, Lancaster Farming Industrial Hemp Podcast, and we've got a hundred and sixty nine episodes up there for you, um, talking to people and all. All aspects of hemp, you know, inventors, farmers, uh, policymakers. There's a guy who makes ukuleles out of hemp. He's on there, too. Um, so, yeah, just a, an amazing group of people that I, I feel honored to to get to know and help share their stories. So I think you guys are doing something very similar. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate what you're doing, too. Excellent. All right. Do you want to jump into the recipe, Blaine? Uh, yeah, Dave, why don't we do that? And then uh, then I'll wrap up with some other thoughts here tonight. Okay. Thanks, guys. So, uh, I've, unfortunately, uh, folks, I don't have my... He doesn't uh, have his hamper hat. Hamper oh, hat. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, uh, that, I didn't grab that when I came down this last. So we have hemp and honey carrot cake oat cups, gluten and dairy-free. Uh, 
a pretty easy thing. You know how I am. I like to make things pretty easy. So these are ready in 32 minutes. Um, and it's an easy, uh, easy taste hemp cake on the cups without guilt, um, which is a nice thing to have there for sure. So the ingredients we have for this, um, obviously we're going to have some hemp parts. Maybe Dave can roll that up. There we go. Um, so a cup of gluten-free rolled oats and uh, hemp seed and Dave's doing a nutmeg and ground ginger and ground cinnamon and six tablespoons of raw honey. Ooh, I love raw honey. Um, unsweetened applesauce, some raisins, some grated carrots, unsweetened almond milk, vanilla extract, two egg whites, and crushed walnuts are in there. So, and uh, so there's the steps on how to do it. Um, make them just like you normally do on that. Um, so, and they're yummy and they're very, very good. And again, uh, guilt-free. So we love guilt-free things, that's for sure. So, and we can find this recipe and a lot of recipes that we have on there. And Dave, if we can find, I always like to give credit where credit's due because this is not one of my recipes. Maybe we go back up to the stop because we always want to serve. So this is nutrition in the kitchen is what this is. So Very cool. Yeah. So uh, just a few thoughts uh, as, we, as we kind of wrap up today here. Um, I want to thank everybody and all our sponsors for helping us out. And um, again, we've changed the, uh, the date <clears throat> for the expo, uh, not the content, not the quality of it, but we, we felt it was better to do that, especially with all the COVID and things going on right now. Um, and uh, so that's going to be now May 20th and 21st. Again, at the Lansing Center, we're going to still use the Radisson. Uh, everybody's working with is great to be able to move that forward. So we're looking forward to that for sure. Um, a couple of things I want to do a shout out here at the end. I want to shout out to all of our, uh, all of our healthcare workers. Uh, I have been at this hospital now for a week uh, with my brother going through some situations he's going through. And um, when you hear the stories on the TV, folks, it is real. When my brother came into the emergency room last week, um, it took us over five hours to get into the emergency, but they were still helping him during that time before he got in. But when we did get in, uh, we were bed, we were hallway bed number four. Cool. Um, and then it took us until three o'clock in the morning to even have they got a room finally for him. Uh, these people uh, are just amazing with what they do. They are fully, fully understaffed for the amount of people they have. This hospital is somewhere in the 80 plus percent full. Mm. Um, and um, again, they're just it's amazing what they're going through and what they're doing and and how they're helping us all. So um, I know everybody has their personal opinion on, on if they want to get the vaccines or not. The only thing I can tell you is I've seen this up close. I've seen this personal. Um, uh, every floor in this hospital has COVID patients on it. Um, they try to keep them isolated, but there's just, they, they, they can't. Um, they've got to have them in other rooms. So um, please consider, if you haven't, please consider getting uh, getting vaccinated, uh, not only for yourself and others, but also just for this healthcare system right now that is on the verge of collapse. It really is. Um, what these people go through every day is just amazing, and they are heroes without a doubt. So cool. I want to put out a big thank you to them. So Amen to that. Yes. So um, next week, uh, we're going to try to have James Decker. He hasn't confirmed yet, but we're going to try to get him on uh, next week to talk about the variety trials and what's going on there. And if not, we'll have another great show that we're going to do. Now, the week of Christmas, the 23rd, we're going to take that off and not have a show on that week. So, so I hope everybody has a great holiday. 
thank you again, Eric, for taking time out of your uh, your busy schedule with your family to just to, to share that story. What a great story it has been. And uh, we're inviting you to come out in May and uh, and uh, join us out here in Michigan when it's uh, maybe a little nicer to come yeah. out. So. I would like that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, all right everybody. Remember thanks. that uh, it's a pretty tough world out there. So let's all uh, be a little nicer if we can. And we'll see everybody next week. All right. Peace and love. See you. Thank you for listening to the IHEMP Michigan podcast. Have a question, comment, or suggestion? Email dave at ihempmichigan.com.